0: Hello, it's Howard Brown. This is the Shiny Brightly Show. This is the podcast with the best and the most interesting guests ever. I am the maestro with the mic and oh my God, this is a show that is gonna just hit you emotionally and um, it's amazing. It's gonna inspire you as well. Um, I wanna introduce Alana Moore. Alana, welcome to the uh, Shiny Brightly Show.
1: Hi, Howard. I'm good. Thanks for having me. So grateful Uh to be here.
0: Well, you're all the way across the country in um, British Columbia. I want to tell you, this woman is so courageous and has a lesson to teach. And I, I just am so thrilled to be introduced to you recently. Let me take a little read of your bio, and then you can add some stuff in and fill in the blank. So Alana Moore's life took a dramatic turn in 2015 when she was sentenced to 81 months In a Panamanian prison for international drug trafficking. That's four and a half years of this young woman's life. She trusted a a client connected to some famous music artists. You were promised to be elevated into your fashion dreams. And then things went haywire. Oh my God. You actually were asked to be a, a druggy mule and you got busted and you found yourself in prison alana found strength through discipline and exercise and reading and she emerged not as a survivor but as a thriver after her release she founded the foundation to aid incarcerated women became a certified mindset life coach and is now a fierce advocate for formerly incarcerated central american females alana is writing a tell-all book and her mission is to impact millions of young lives as a motivational speaker, as she blends her raw honesty, humor, and resilience to overcome adversity. She's a full-time mother to her son, Justice, and we're going to talk about him. And you embody a positive ending to this Panamanian journey, and you're dedicated to uplifting others in transformation. And that's why you're on the show, because I am about overcoming an inspiration, Alana Moore. Tell us a little bit more. What did I miss? Or And tell us something interesting that we don't know about you.
1: Oh, that's great. Thank you for that introduction. That was lovely. Um, anything that you missed, I would say that I think you hit the nail on the head. You know, there was a lot of things that I did while I was in prison. And um, we can get into that, obviously. So something that people, something interesting about me that a lot of people probably wouldn't know, I am obsessed with Indian flute music and I have this sort of mantra and this meditation where I love to get in the kitchen and cook a really good meal obviously I have you know no limits on what I eat anymore and listen to Indian flute music and just be in an incredibly meditative state
0: (laughs) I love that and and it allows you to actually what I call in my book find your happy place because mm. it's your stress-free zone and you should go there often. Everyone needs to find it, whether it's meditation, yoga, hiking, biking, athletics, travel, uh, music. I don't care. Find your happy place. Go there as much as you can. Well, I want to dig right in because um, you are young and you made some mistakes. And we all we are actually uh, in the Jewish holiday of Yom Kippur coming up, and it's, it's making atonement. It's repenting. You made a mistake. And Instead of actually just living with that and and just killing yourself about it, you actually did something about it. You used your time that you had to serve for this mistake for positive, for helping other women, and now continue to do so afterwards. So that's very honorable. We are human. We make mistakes. Now, other people had something to do with that, and that sucks. But I want you to share a little bit uh, about your time in prison and some of the lessons that you learned.
1: Yeah. Um, I mean, to talk about my time in prison, let's start with the beginning. Very quickly, Mm -hmm. you know, um, I was going, I made a decision when I was 24 years old that I wanted to go to school for fashion. And it was something that I believed was going to be, I was going to be the next big fashion designer, made a decision, went to school Um, graduated, became a stylist, met an incredible person that allowed me to work for them as a stylist and was called into their office one day. Long story short, this person and I had a great relationship. And she called me into her office one day and said, I have a really great opportunity for you. I really wanna pay you back for everything that you've done for me. I'm gonna send you to Panama on a vacation and I have a friend there. You don't have to worry about anything. I have lots of people that have done this. You're gonna bring a bag back for me. And the thing is, Howard, is sometimes in life when you want to get to the top and you see everybody around you getting there, you will do anything that it takes to get there without thinking about any consequences that may be at the end of your decisions. So I said yes. And of course, I was like, well, is it drugs? No, you don't have to worry about anything. There was also somebody in the room with her that day who happens to be the right hand man to one of you know, the most famous Um, musicians around so that helped it was a great sales pitch and I fell for it and I said yes fast forward a week later I show up to um, I go to Panama I spend a week there I show up to the airport and I think that I start having this feeling that something is going wrong and I see I start thinking I wonder if there's drugs in my bag So we get to the airport, I get off, and I'm thinking, this is it. This is it. These drug dogs are going to maul me, and my life is over. So I'm waiting in line to get on this plane, and one drug drug dog walks by. Nothing happens. Another one walks by, nothing happens. Another one walks by, nothing happens. So I get this sort of second wind of confidence. I'm waiting for the plane. I get through security. They call my name on the loudspeaker. They take me into the back and it's utter chaos. And somebody is screaming at me, where did you get these bags? Where did you get these bags? Fast forward five hours later, A prosecutor that I now know to be the prosecutor comes in, goes through my bags, and they find 11 kilos of cocaine in my suitcase. I'm transferred to what I now know to be a men's prison where I am ankle shackled and wrist shackled for three days with no water, no food, and no shower, no toilet paper. I'm transferred then to a female prison where I'm sentenced to six months because in Panama you are guilty until proven innocent. And that was my entire life ripped from underneath me in the matter of 3 minutes in an airport.
0: Let's stop for a second yeah. because I want that to sink in for the listeners and anyone watching is that you trusted someone, they were mentoring you, you had a a big superstar that asked you to do something and you felt in your gut that it was wrong but you wanted to climb the ladder. You also I know you brought a friend and that that friend just by chance of being your friend suffered as well and you knew there was something in that bag and you went forth anyways yeah and 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 now had to pay some extreme consequences cuz you're in a foreign country a foreign land and you're a drug mule and basically you now have to suffer the consequences from that mentor that was looking out for you. And all you did was have a passion for fashion. And you wanted to, you know, I made that up. You you just wanted to climb the ranks. So, all right. So I, you're a young woman. You're scared out of your mind, I can imagine. You don't speak the language at that time, correct?
1: I don't speak the language, no.
0: Correct. And so um, i uh, in our previous talk, they made you sign a document. You signed all your rights away. And they basically were going to sen- sen- sentence you to this woman's prison correct yeah All Right. Pick, pick us up from uh that shock and awe and what happens once you you land there
1: so i remember being in the back of a truck and it's this long dirt road to get to the prison and the funny juxtaposition is right across the street there's a university and i remember driving down that thinking okay i'm about to become somebody's bitch I'm about to get the shit kicked out of me and I'm about to have to learn how to defend myself very quickly. I'm going to have to figure this out. And this is the interesting part of the story that I always sort of still laugh to myself about. I remember pulling up and getting off of the back of this truck and looking and there were all these women outside in pink T-shirts and jeans with giant rollers in their hair. There was Spanish music playing in the background and a bunch of girls are getting their hair blow dried. And I thought, where the heck did I just show up? And I was so afraid that this moment almost allowed me to sort of feel a little bit at ease. Like I was still very afraid, but I was like, oh, okay. And I remember a girl yelling at me, my friend, I love you forever screaming at me and there were all these other women up against the fence on the other side of where I where I was like these other women were staring at me up against the fence you know little short shorts hair and rollers little crop tops my friend I love you forever and I remember the guards went through all of our stuff and they handcuffed us and they brought us in To the prison, and we had to walk by all of these girls, and they were all hooting and hollering at us. "Eh." This
0: is the welcome wagon. This is the welcome wagon. wagon. This
1: is the. It's the fresh meat. It's the fresh meat wagon. So basically, what happens when anybody new walks into a prison? They scream about it. Everybody knows fresh meat, fresh meat. You know, and so I don't know this at the time. I hear gibberish, and I was. In shock. I mean, how do you go from a life that you know in North America to walking into a Panamanian prison in the middle of the desert with some of Panama's most dangerous criminals that are just walking around everywhere, not speaking the language, not having any clue when you're leaving, and having to then decide which route you're going to take for survival? So I've always said, and I will always say, the second that I walked in, I knew I had two choices. I was to be constructive with my time or destructive. Now, living in the middle of hell, destructive seems like the best option because negativity when you're living in hell is so rampant. But I decided that both took energy and both I would have to focus and, 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 and figure out how to do either one. And I chose to be constructive. And from day three of being there, I had to go through the initial trauma, shock, overwhelming feeling of where the fuck did I just end up? And I made a decision very quickly and very early on that I was going to be constructive with my time. So I had a decision to make. The question was how? I also learned very quickly that this is not like a prison in North America where you are given everything that you wear, everything you wash with, you are given your feminine hygiene products, you are given a schedule, there's no schedule. Whatever you walk in with is what you have. If you don't have it too bad, you better figure it out. So I not only had to figure out a way to survive financially in terms of having clothes to put on my back and having soap to clean my body and having feminine, feminine hygiene products to deal with what happens to women every single month. I also had to decide how was I going to use my time wisely? Because regardless of what my decision was, the time was going to pass. So was this going to be a waste of time? Or time that passed by that I used wisely and became a better version of myself. Now, there were definitely a few turning points during my time that made that, that sort of, you know, put that into perspective of like, okay, this is the moment where change has to happen.
0: Now, you had a roommate, which was your friend, and there's a lot of isolation time. Also, you're the newbie and then you're learning and eventually you don't become the newbie. But right. There's an internal black market there uh, in order to acquire things and um, you need to do favors uh, for other things. So, um, I mean, we see a lot of stuff on TV and I'm sure a fraction of it isn't even accurate. But, um, you know, you had to to live this, you know, in a foreign country. And um, and then I, I think you actually had to call home. Right. And say, I effed up. I'm going to be here for a while. Yeah. And um, so um, I'm sure there was some nasty stuff that happened, but you decided to um, learn the language, right? You learned so you could actually be able to speak and communicate. I think that's a survival thing. Um, But you also became whatever reading they had, you became a voracious reader um, to expand your mind as well. But also tell me about the, some of the relationships that you you decided to actually be known to be someone that could help others and put that reputation out there in a prison of all sorts. Tell me about that.
1: Yeah, that's, that's great. Um, so day three, I remember I go in to see uh, the director of this prison and I had been doing a lot of writing and a lot of thinking. Obviously, there's a lot of time to think. And she goes, what do you want? Like, what could make your stay here a little bit better? I said not being here, A, but if we have, to, if I have to be here, I really want to, I really want to be able to work out. I know, you know, I come from an athletic background. I was a soccer player growing up. I was an avid competitive dancer my whole life. So I also have always been into fitness. So I knew that my mental health, And my faith in God was going to be shown through my ability to stay active and to, you know, help my mental health through physical fitness, okay? So we made a decision that day that I was going to start teaching fitness. So day three of my prison stay in 2015 in a place where I could not speak more than two words, and those two words being hola and cerveza, which I now know to be beer, those are the only two words I knew. I was thrown into a position of leadership where I got to teach fitness at 7 a.m. every single day. And I want to talk a little bit about how that went for me. So I remember walking in the first day and they went in and they did this announcement like, hey, we're going to start to have fitness classes. And this is the other thing, Howard, The, the prison system in Panama is very behind in accessibility to courses to studying to um, you know allowing people to expand their mind in any sort of a way so there's a lot of boredom and what happens when people get bored they act out. what happens when people get bored they hurt themselves. what happens when people get bored they hurt others. So it was kind of like this social experiment where a I became a leader so in a position of leadership in a prison, You are less likely to be in a position of of being hurt by anybody there. So all of a sudden, I look like somebody that can defend themselves. So I start teaching fitness at 7 a.m. every single day. The first day, I think 10 people showed up. We got to listen to music and I was basically just going, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm, uh, and a, uh, ooh, no dos and trays. And I had no idea how to speak the language, and people are laughing at me hysterically. You know, and I'm talking the girl that killed her husband and then hid him in her freezer is out there side by side with me, laughing at me, because I have no idea how to say up or down in Spanish. Here's the cool thing that happened, and I love this story. We started to see girls create consistency in their life because they started to come out every single day Monday through Friday for one hour in the morning to work out with me you know I this isn't a gym this is a cement floor with you know barbed wire all around you and I was given some chairs and I had to figure it out how to use the body how to make people work together that was the other thing people started to work together people started to become calmer There was, um, you know, less violence with these certain 10, 15 women that would come out consistently to see me. And I was able to teach them about slowly. I started to learn the language. So I started to focus and that sort of ties in with it, right? I got the dictionary. I started to listen. I started to really force myself to understand the basics of fitness in Spanish and be able to teach it. So you start to see these girls create habits in their life, have consistency in their life. And I start to put myself in a position of leadership. So I am basically it's a it's a it's a get out of jail, like safe card. Right. I remember this girl named Chola, seven bullets in her body. One of the toughest criminals in Panama. She got transferred to our prison. And I remember her telling the entire jail, the only person that I will not fight in this jail, and I mean fight, she has a double switchblade, and she will cut anybody that comes within a five-foot radius of her. She was a very scary human, but very loving at the core. She said, the only person I will not fight in this prison is Alana. She is strong, and she could kill anybody. So fitness became my defense mechanism, and it also became my power, and I... I was as strong as I'd ever been,
0: but at the meantime you're running you know aerobics on a cement floor with no gym pads yeah. and and people are coming out and starting to come out and you're teaching them how to stretch and you're starting their day with a, a purpose and they're actually doing some physical fitness and I'm yeah. sure they told others and the class grew um, and that's a beautiful story because you're trying to survive I mean <laughs> it's no fun there and and you oh. have a lot of downtime and um a lot of Bad stuff goes into that because there's a chain of command, and you you fortunately navigated and took the right uh, path that way as well. Um, so, take me through a few more uh, things at prison um, that are that stand out uh, that you want to share.
1: Yeah, definitely. So, I would say that for me, I noticed very quickly. There's a few things that stand out for me that I that I love. Um, this is something that sticks out a lot. Not every day in prison is bad. You know, you you definitely get to create a good time for yourself if you want to. So I really there's this whole moment of time in prison that was the shift for me. Okay, so I was teaching fitness, but I also within that year and a half found out that I was sentenced to 81 months in prison where I had been lied to by a lawyer and told that I was going home. So I was dealing with that stress and the stress of not knowing. So. I started to read a lot. I mean, my own mother brought me an entire suitcase, not with anything in it, but books. I started to read books. I started to read about business. I started to write business plans for different ideas that I had because I knew I needed to keep my brain sharp. The time was going to pass. They wouldn't let me um, complete my degree. I wanted to complete my degree and do my master's. They said no. The government of Panama refused my education. So I did grade kindergarten to grade 12. So during this time, I begin to adopt, you know, I sound like everything's going good, but I have a bit of a bad attitude because when you're surrounded by people that are bullying you all the time, and when you're surrounded by guards that a lot of these people have never even seen a white person like me. That's the reality. So they think that I come from privilege. They treat me differently. I was bullied by guards. I was bullied by different people within the prison. I had to protect myself. And then you're also dealing with it's high school. You know, you have women that are, you know, setting things on fire and slitting their wrists and fighting each other in front of you. And you have to think it's normal. You're in a cell that's full of um, bunk beds, 72 bunk beds with one toilet, no shower. Everybody has to do the same thing in there, infested with cockroaches. You have an industrial fan 24 hours a day going. You have 72 radios in one cell and no one ever is quiet. There was never any quiet. Imagine four and a half years of noise. So I was, it was getting to me. And I was starting to get a bit of an attitude. So I remember this one guard had it against me. This is a very cool story. I had a cell phone at one point in prison because the only way to communicate with people was through having a cell phone. You can only imagine where women would hide this cell phone to be able to not have it there. I did not do that. So I got my cell phone taken away very quickly. She was against me. She had nine guards come into the cell at 9.30 at night, one night to take my phone from me. Okay. the next day she shows up to the jail. She laughs in my face and calls me a fucking dumb gringa. And I snap and I see red and I begin to follow her. And my thought is I'm going to kill her. And this is nothing. She's so mean to me. And I remember two girls put their arms in front of me and I was like, no, I've had enough. Okay. I try to fight this guard. I end up getting in trouble for it. That was the moment I remember going into the back after it happened. I got in a lot of trouble. I got six months probation and I was bawling my eyes out. And I'm like, what am I doing here? How am I going to survive? And this girl was like, you got to get your shit together. You got to find things that you love to do. You got to do it. I was like, okay. And I remember walking, two things happened. I saw this note on the wall that said public speaking competition. So what they were doing was a national wide public speaking competition. And Basically, you did it at the prison. You wrote a speech. You did it there. If you won, you got to go to this beautiful theater in the middle of Panama City with no handcuffs and you were put on national television and radio to compete and you could win. And I remember I remember I used to pray on my knees every night and then I got this overwhelming feeling of you need to do it. And I woke up the next day and I went into the office and I said, can I do this even though I don't speak Spanish? And they were like, yep. And I spent the next month and a half learning the language perfectly, writing a speech in English, translating it into Spanish. Now, if you think about this, I had a lot of time on my hands. So this was great. I did that. I competed. I won in prison. I went to this theater in Panama City and I had my father fly down and he saw me with no handcuffs compete on television that was a shifting moment for me and just the last thing that I'll say to this is that guard i i i i we had problems for months months and i remember one day we had this kids day and they wanted us to they wanted somebody to dress up as a clown and nobody wanted to do it and i was like i'll do it i dressed up as a clown and i went out And I and I we had a day with the kids, the kids could come and we did um, games for them and things like that. And I remember I had this voice in my head that said, today is the day you're going to apologize to Flores, to this guard. And I was like, no, I'm not. And my head was like, yes, you are. And I walked into her office that day, three months after this thing had happened, I sat down on the floor in a clown costume and I apologized for what I had done. And six months later, she died of breast cancer. And that was a huge pivotal moment for me. And from that moment, I invested all my time in shifting my mindset. I designed clothes. I worked out twice a day. I did every course that came to prison. I went to school. I went to church. And I made sure that during this time that I, without the resources, created my own resources to become the best possible version of myself that I could because mindset It's it's all about your mind. You choose your attitude. And you know about the book. We talked about it, you know? Viktor Frankl, A Man's Search for Meaning. Three years in a concentration camp. Everything can be taken from a man, but one thing. The last of human freedoms, right? To choose one's attitude in any given set of circumstances. To choose one's own way. That book changed my life. And I realized that I could find freedom in the middle of hell if I wanted to. You make the choice. And that's what I did. And the hardest part of being in prison, as Viktor Frankl talks about in his book, the hardest part of being in a concentration camp is not living in hell. It's not knowing when you're getting out. Because how do you create goals when you don't have a tangible ending? How could I physically create change in my life when I didn't know when I was leaving?
0: That was the hardest part. I, I want to say that I'm shuddering a little bit because you actually had the ability to shine some light in the darkest of moments in complete darkness. Uh, the speaking competition,, um, you know, they you 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 pursued it to be the clown that no one wanted to be. <laughs> um you raised your hand and said, pick me. Um And so you were able to do that. Just this human resolve that you're showing is is so important and as i always say that we don't compare i i had my own prison i've, I've been you know a stage four cancer there's nothing there's nothing to compare but it's darkness we all suffered darkness and we did not or could not or chose not to find the light to be able to get out of that and you tried to and did and i tried to and did and this is why we're on this show together today to lift other people up from their darkness and this is going to become a book and I'm sure a motion picture. So tell us about what's uh, what's going on with your book.
1: Oh, gosh. You know, I will say, I will talk about my book in one second. And I just okay. want to say to what you just said.
0: Sure.
1: When people come to me and they say, I could never go through what you went through. You said it yourself just now. You know, your story must be worse. It's never about the story. It's about the feelings. We all go through difficult situations in our lives. I could never think about what you've gone through. I don't think I could get through it. And if you looked at me, you would say, yes, you could, because in in the face of adversity, we are given the skills that we need to change. It's just whether or not we're willing to work hard because it's not fucking easy. So my book starts like this. I have over 12 journals that I began to write because I knew I always wondered what my purpose was. And I had these pivotal moments, and that speaking competition was the huge pivotal moment where I thought, if I could change one person's life or one person's decision to choose themselves and to do the work to get where they wanted to go so they don't have to make the decision that I made. Or if I can teach people about mental toughness and about how to get through situations, because you can. I don't want the excuses. Literally, I realized that going to prison is probably one of the five most difficult situations you could go through in your life. And I thought, I just knew. I just knew. It just came to me that I needed to share my experience and my story. And here's the thing. I remember someone saying to me in prison, Prison is a different world and I became numb to a lot of the stories and the situations that I went through because we could sit here for 5 hours, 5 days and talk about hilarious stories of people infiltrating drugs and people throwing alcohol over the fence and girls running to pick it up and how the system works, right? There are rules behind bars, there's no rules and I want to be able to share my experience, the good, the bad, the ugly. There were good days, there were bad days, there were funny funny moments. There was amazing learning experiences. I don't wish this on anybody, but I would never change it for the world. And so I feel like, why do we come to this earth to go through an experience to help somebody else? So I've started my book. I haven't finished it, but it's basically talking more about, you know, I want it to be really raw. So I really want to share the real things I was writing about, right? Here's a raw look at how it was. Here's what I've learned from it and here's what I wish for you. You know, I did a lot of things in prison every single day that I forced myself to like let's say a gratitude list, right? Um or 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 planning out my future and how that looked. So I want to be able to help people to do that for themselves and look at the big picture but then also look at you know prison what it's like, what I went through, so that they don't have to go through it.
0: <laughs> well, you, you you can tell your story, and um, it's there was horrible times too. Don't don't kid oh, yourself; yeah. it was not a bunch of roses by oh. any stretch. I'm sure there was a lot. Of, you even talked about, you know, uh, you know, uh, switchblade and, and 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 nasty stuff happening as well. But I I, I want to um, wrap things up a little bit, but I I want you to talk about to the word justice. I want you to talk about justice, the meaning and justice your son, please. Yeah, thank you.
1: Um, you know, I that's that's how, where do I even start? So justice, my son, I fought for my freedom for a long time. When I got out of prison, I ended up as you know going and spending time with a woman whose name is Sunny Justice. And she basically created Burt's Bees into the brand that you see now, has taught me so much about self-love, about running businesses, about managing businesses, and did that with her. Came home, was deported from Panama, defeated, heartbroken, because I had, while I was in prison, I met my partner. I met the love of my life. That's a crazy story. And... I had to leave him. I had no choice. And I remember I got home and two weeks later, I found out I was pregnant. And I didn't know when I would see my partner again. And how do you walk away from somebody that you love, but also somebody that supported you in the darkest moment when they didn't have to, had no obligation to come and see a person in prison when you could be seeing a woman that's out in public doing good things with her life? And you chose to be there for me. And, you know, through that also, like, you know, as I started my little foundation and all of that, like, I wanted to pick a name because this was like a full circle moment. Panama took my life away. And then Panama went ahead and gave me life. And I, raising a son is not easy when you're starting your life from scratch. Raising a son is not easy when you're doing it as a single mother. Raising your son is not easy when you're doing it with all, with everything going for you. It's not easy, but there is justice behind what I went through. And like I just said, it, justice is that full circle moment for me. And my son is just the most beautiful Latino man you've ever seen. <laughs> my Latino,
0: yeah, of course you are dragging so right. It's, it's beautiful. <laughs> Um, you also finally had some trusted caregiver mentors that that really cared for you. Your, your partner, he, he's he dedicated to you. Um, and then um, Sunny Justice um, taught you that there is a brighter tomorrow. This yes. testimony is so powerful. I, I want to actually just wrap up the show. We're going to do our shiny brightly moment. So let's shine oh. together. Put on your sunglasses.
1: The great thing about these is these are actually from panama
0: panama jack or real panama sunglasses <laughs> well we are shining brightly here because your your testimony is so powerful um your perseverance your resolve your resiliency um and to start and give justice a good life give yourself a good life and may you be reconnected with your partner soon um please tell people how they can everyone's going to want to get in touch with you so how, oh. how's the best how, how could they get in touch with you Thank you. You're so sweet.
1: So I would say my Instagram is at Alana Moore speaks more being spelled M O O R. My name is spelled A L A N A. And then I have a little website, Um, Those are probably the best ways to get in touch with me. Send me a DM. Um, yeah. And I'm, I, I- I'm
0: going to include everything in the show notes and in the comments on social and everything like that. People are going to want to reach out to you because you're also, uh, although you're working on the book, you are a speaker. You also actually are a mindset coach. And um, you have a giveaway, so tell people oh that you'll you're, you're going to give away uh, some discount off your some of your coaching.
1: Yeah, this is awesome. So um, yes, I am a mindset coach. I am going to offer if you send me a DM saying shining brightly, obviously, thank you to Howard. I'm giving 50% off your first four sessions with me for mindset coaching. Um, we'll do a discovery call and we'll get into your four sessions and it's, I'm just so looking forward to work with working with people to help them to really shift their mindset and shift their life. Um, and also on my website, you can get in touch with me for speaking engagements. You can donate to my foundation, which actually helps bring dignity packages to women in prison in Panama. I'm working to make that bigger and better every single day. So I would love to collab and chat with anybody about that as well.
0: It, it's beautiful. And so- um... This has been one powerful show, and uh, you are a light and you are taking a awful situation and making it better. Um, I'm sure you can coach lots of men and women that uh, that need that type of help as well. and I I, I do the same um, and we're that's why we're so aligned. And so you can uh, reach me at shiningbrightly.com. Uh, you can find out about speaking and my uh, my book of course, and the podcast and my advocacy work. And I help uh, and mentor entrepreneurs, young ones at Babson College and cancer patients. And I work in the interfaith space. So come interact with me as well. I have downloads for mentorship, survivorship, and interfaith relations. So this has been another great show. We will close it out by saying, let's all shine brightly a little bit each day for ourselves, for others and our communities. And yes, the world will be a better place. Amen.
1: Thank you so much, Howard. Thank you for having me.
0: My pleasure. (laughs) Thank you. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Shining Brightly with me, Howard Brown. Come interact with me at shiningbrightly.com. And remember, keep on shining.